Well, probably one of the most famous books in the Bible is the book of Proverbs. It's quoted by many secular people who have absolutely no relationship to, to God or his word. Many folks who quote parables because guess what? They're true. The truth behind the parables is truth. And so we get a chance to, uh, to see them and, and hear them. And this morning I'd like to kind of give you an overview of the parables and some stuff that you can take home with you today. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we are living in a time in this 21st century where we are open to a vast array of choices. There are so many things for us to choose from. It's kind of maddening if you think about it. I mean, uh, uh, cable and satellite provide hundreds of choices for TV programming. And you, you turn them on and there's nothing there but a commercial. You say, wait a minute, I thought I got this cable so that I wouldn't have to go through commercials anymore. Ha ha, they got us. Uh, restaurants offer a wide array of food choices. You can eat almost anything, even here in Flemington. Auto manufacturers offer choices. Now it's electric and it's hybrid and it's alternative fuels, it's SUVs, it's minivans. Pretty much whatever you want is there. Endless options, endless colors. When Henry Ford uh, uh, invented the Model T Ford, you could buy it in any color, as long as it was black. Things have changed. In the 21st century, choices are presented not only in goods and services, but in lifestyles. Business opportunities, philosophies, and religion. Muslim mosques are sprouting up anywhere. Witches are found up front in literature and movies, in mainstream Protestant denomination churches. The people there have an opportunity to approach the Bible in a cafeteria fashion. They can pick and choose what they believe is truth. They can say, for example, that there's a heaven, but there's no hell. In their minds, they say, Jesus was a good man, that's the truth, yeah. But that he's God? No. Jesus is made, uh, people are made in God's image, yes. But all have sinned? No. These are the options that people think they can answer anywhere they want. There's so many choices and so many voices advocating, and each choice all the time declaring, this is the path to truth, to love, to happiness, to purpose in life. Consequently, people are overwhelmed with information and disinformation to the point of sensory overload and confusion. Remember one thing, God is not the author of confusion. God is a God of order. You don't believe it? Study your anatomy. Study your life. Study your body. Study the eye. And you'll see that God is a God of great order, not confusion. And when you come into circumstances and situations and a society, parted in his living written word. It's here. The issues are here, the problems are here, your circumstances are here, but also the answers are here, amen? You've experienced that. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter one, verses, six, uh, verses one through seven, and let's stand together for it as I read. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, 
judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words, I gotta turn the page here, the words, the wise, and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You may be seated. Solomon writes, if you want to negotiate your way successfully through the many choices and decisions you're going to face in life, you're going to need one thing. You're going to need wisdom. Do you see that there? You're going to need wisdom to do these things. Not intellect, not strength of character, not some, be, uh, not some uh, uh, educational. How are you going to know the difference between right and wrong, truth and lie? You've got to be in the Bible to know that. You've got to have the guidelines of Scripture. There's three words that I often mention, and I, I know that uh, some of you know these three words. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. As you look through the book of Proverbs, you'll find those three words together almost all the time. They're either in the same verse or within a few verses of each other. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Knowledge is what you know, obviously. Where is it that you get knowledge? You get it in the book as you study and memorize and come to grips with the truths of the Bible. That's knowledge. Understanding is how that knowledge translates to enlighten you as to who God is, who you are, what sin is. You get that understanding. For a long time, I didn't understand the truths of Scripture. Today, after, after decades of study, I understand more than I did back in those days, but I don't have the whole picture. And I'm happy about it because the Bible proves it that this is his unsearchable riches that you can dig and dig and dig and dig into his word and never get it. You'll get portions of it, pieces of it, big sections of it, but you'll never have it all. And when you run across people who are so smart standing behind the pulpit and they tell you they got it all, well, it's up to you to decide whether they do or they don't. I don't think anybody's got it all. I'm going to get it all when I get home to be with the Lord, and so are you. Life can be pretty tricky, and it doesn't take an awful lot for us to get turned upside down. This is where the wisdom comes in. So knowledge is what you know. Understanding is the enlightenment you get. And wisdom is how to apply the knowledge you know and the understanding you have to your life. That's wisdom. We used to have a more common wisdom because most people, going back 150 years ago, they were sitting in church on a Sunday morning. Going back 100 years ago, the churches were pretty well full. And people were in those churches, and they were learning, and there was a common vocabulary. You could say the word sin, and it would mean something to the majority of people in the country. Now you say sin, and it's like 200 different meanings. We have clarity together in God's word because we're centered on God's word. And that's where the confusion disappears and the understanding comes in. Solomon's recipe for developing the skills of wisdom begin at the founder's wrath, fearing what sin will do to you. See, if there's no fear about the consequences of sin, there's no impetus for you to give it up. But there are awesome consequences to our sin. 
And that's what he's talking about. All life lessons start there. The core of life's curriculum is God. The core of life's curriculum is God. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe. A few years ago, a TV personality named Bill Maher was being interviewed on a cable, on a cable show regarding religion. Here's what he writes. Here's what he said. Quote, how can people be so stupid as to believe in such a cruel, vengeance, bloodthirsty God of the Old Testament? who commands, quote, if you see your neighbor harvesting crops on Sunday, kill him. Well, do a little examination of Mr. Mars' words, and here's what you're going to find. There is no such thing as Sunday worship in the Old Testament. It's Sabbath. Wrong on one point. Secondly, he says that you're, in, you're commanded to kill your neighbor. No scripture says Kill your neighbor. How do I know? I looked it up. There's no place where God tells you to kill your neighbor. The only thing it says about your neighbor is to love and have compassion for them. 143 references to the neighbor. Not one about killing. 90% about loving, caring, and doing the right thing to a neighbor. How could he be so wrong? Well, you know, it's simple. The Bible says there's none so blind as those who would not see. They're not looking for truth. They're looking to tear down your foundation of trust and belief in God's word. That would be an ugly truth if that were the case. For these things, for your own intellect, for your own strength, you're going to come to a place where you realize you've gone about as far as, as, far as you can go. Now something else has got to kick in because you don't have all the answers. And what kicks in? Faith. Trust that God tells you the truth. Trust in his word concrete sense of, I know this is what God would have me to know, understand, and share with others. Yeah, I, as far as I'm concerned, I could not stand up here and preach to you if I didn't believe with every fiber in my Bible that, body that God's word is true. You can trust God to honestly tell you how life works. You can trust God's path as revealed by the word and the Holy Spirit to lead to joy, peace, purpose, meaning. Follow his lead to discover what life is really all about and why life is worth living. Too many people are prepared to discard their lives. Too many people are unhappy with who they are. What do we do about that? The believer goes back to the book and realizes that your life is precious in God's sight that God made you, that you may be going through hard times, but God hasn't abandoned you. He's with you. He cares enough in this great universe that's in the control of his heart, mind, and hands. He's concerned about you. You're having a miserable period of time. A, we go through seasons. You're going through a season of difficulty, and you think God's abandoned you. He hasn't. He hasn't abandoned the stars and he hasn't abandoned you. And in fact, he didn't die for the stars on that cross. He died for you. Solomon presents us with the first big life decision. Whom do you trust? Will it be Christ, the Holy Spirit, the written word, or something else, or somebody else? The atheist puts his trust in himself, science, Philosophy. The socialist puts his trust in big government. The rich put their trust in wealth and power. Some put their trust in religion. 
the clergy, but the middle verse of your Bible, Psalms 118.8, advises, look at that word. It is better to trust in what? Than to put confidence in man. Do you realize that's the middle verse of the Bible? And do you realize that the two middle verse words of the middle verse of the Bible is the Lord? Does that do anything to the back of your neck? Does that give you a tingly feeling that this book, as big as it is, and the hundreds of thousands of words and verses that are in here, in the dead center of it, if you are pulling back the arrow, shooting for the target and the dead center, the dead center of this book that God wrote is himself. You ought to be excited about that. Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives wisdom. God's wisdom to children through the writers of Proverbs. Here's what he says to your kids, your grandkids, and, and others in your sphere of influence. Proverbs 1.10, my son, if sim- sinners entice thee, consent thou not. He says, just say no to peer pressure. If you ask the majority of young people how they got into some of the things they got into, marijuana, cigarettes, uh, alcohol, go down with a list of things, premarital sex, they'll tell you their friends did it. Their friends encouraged them. And you didn't want to feel left out. And so you follow whatever they said. Even though God said something different, he was the only one standing in the corner yelling, no, no, don't go there. And you decided it might have been okay. Their friends influenced them. Here's something important that I think you need to know because you'll see in a minute why. It comes from an Italian word. The Italian word for influence uh, was introduced into into English in the mid-1700s. The word is influenza. Influenza. And the phrase that it is is influenza di Fredo. Apparently, coming from the Italian phrase which attributed the origin of the flu to you, to the cold. God tells us people that we are, by our very nature, contagious. You're a Christian, right? If people know that you're a Christian, your testimony can be contagious. Or your failure as a Christian, your falling, can be contagious there too. How many of us have seen uh, a TV evangelist who have sinned get up there and, and cry their eyes out because they're repentant of what they've done. And how many people have fallen by the wayside because of that? Your influence is being felt to the people in your, in your life. When you let them know that you're a Christian, they're watching you. And they're waiting to see if you're going to act just like they do when you're under pressure. Our influence spreads to others as easily as the flu. To avoid a deadly moral influenza, you're going to have to just say no. You're going to have to practice social distance from those who would drag you down. You're going to wash your heart and mind from negative, godless teachings by teachings coming from the Word. Wash your mind by the renewing of your mind through God's Word. Proverbs 3.8, the Bible says that God's wisdom shall be health, health. Right choices 
contribute to, God, to good health. Following the moral teachings of scripture will avoid sexually transmitted disease, alcohol-induced cirrhosis of the, civil, of the liver, cigarette-produced lung cancer, stress-induced heart attack, and other illnesses that we get ourselves into. And by the way of membership in the world's best health club, it's the church. There are people today who are down on Route 31 and they're going to the health club and they're missing out a whole aspect of their life if they're not going to church. This is where you learn to trust the Lord, live according to his word, and exercise your love for Christ and others. And if we can't love each other here, where are we going to love each other? If we can't care for each other here, where are we going to care for one another? This is the best place for you to do that. This is the Aberdeen proving grounds of how we love. And if we let every little word and every little idiosyncrasy get in our way of caring for one another, I don't know what to say about that. Proverbs 3.27, withhold no good thing to them. Don't withhold goodness to the people in your life. Let it rip. Let it touch people's lives and hearts and minds that you care for them. In God's economy, compassion, generosity, social justice, and the needs of others is highly placed. God cares about these things. Someone wrote, compassion means that if I see my friend and my enemy in equal need, I shall help both equally. Justice demands that we seek and find the stranger, the broken, the prisoner, and comfort them and offer them our help here lies the holy compassion of God. Not just the people we like. That's hard. It's difficult. But it's who we should be. It's what should mark us. Getting into the practical everyday stuff. Does God care about your financial well-being? Does his wisdom extend to your bank account? Your job? And everyday things? So let me give you a short list of particulars. Proverbs chapter 6, be careful. It says, be careful who you co-sign for. Can't get any more practical than that. Anybody ever get stuck with somebody else's bills? It says, know what you're signing. You get all those people. Listen, these people's pieces of paper that you're asked to sign when you go to the car dealership and buy the car, almost any place else, they're pages upon pages. You start to read and you get tired of, of the words and everything. You can't figure it out. Lawyers make it up. It's designed, supposedly, to let you know your rights, but you can't even figure them out because it's all legalese. So watch and know what you're signing and then weigh the risk factors. This is all in the book of Proverbs, chapter 6. Is it good counsel? Yes or no? It's good counsel. Chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. Here's what it says. Laziness will lead to perpetual poverty. Make any sense? Proverbs 11, don't cheat your customers in business. Then it steps on somebody else's toes. Don't cheat your boss, your employer. And then it says, be honest in your business dealings. Is that good sense? Is that good guidance? Is that good counsel? You have to decide these things. Proverbs 17 don't give or receive bribes. Ring any bells? 
Proverbs 20, 17 to 21. It says there, avoid get-rich-quick schemes. A million telephone ripoffs. They're all the lotteries and all the things that go on. Here's something to think about. People who work hard sleep well. Proverbs 22, verse 29. At work, pursue excellence. Are those good counsel? Can you trust God to give you good counsel? Proverbs 16, 31. I question this one. Gray hair is a badge badge of honor. How do you know you're getting old? Answer, when your wild oats have turned to shredded wheat. (laughs) How do you know you're getting old? Well, when people tell you how good you look. (laughs) We live in a youth-oriented culture where our seniors are forgotten, forsaken, and shoved aside. While it's true that gray hairs are proof of age, they're not proof of wisdom. It is also true that we have much to learn from those older believers who have availed themselves of God's wisdom. They've been down the road. Younger believers must travel. And by God's grace, they are still in the faith and moving on. Proverbs 22.1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. The Christian's testimony, reputation, In the community is priceless. It's all we have to visibly demonstrate the visible transaction of salvation. It's your calling card as ambassadors of Christ's spiritual kingdom. It is the true test as to whether or not we are applying God's wisdom to all the nooks and crannies of our lives. When people think of you in the context of your faith, what are they thinking? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a promise. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, how many of you ever listened to him over the years? Were really worth listening to. The way, a chi- the way the child should go is the way God wants him to go. How do we ensure our kids will go the right way, God's way? There's no guarantee. Amen? Be honest. There's no guarantee. But God will honor the efforts of parents who dedicate themselves and their children to the Lord. How to train a child to trust in the Lord and follow his wisdom and his ways. Number one, ground them in the word. Teach them the truths of the Bible. Your job. Make practical applications of the Bible to their life. Show them how God speaks to them from his word. Let them see the practical side. That's part of my ministry is to help you see God's practical side for your life and make that connection. Teach by example. It's very important to understand this next phrase. People learn more by eye than by ear. People learn more by eye than by ear. They're watching you. Pray, pray, pray. Take them to a loving, take your kids to a loving Bible-believing church where they can hear God's truth and see God's love in action. Closing in on the end of this sermon. The Nazi party wrote, give me a child of six to educate, and he will belong to me for life. This is exactly what the current breed of those who are in leadership today believe. They believe that the education system can be used to mold and remake the minds of your children away from, away from, the traditions 
of your family's Christian life. What lessons do you carry in your heart and mind? And again, where do you place your trust? From evangelist Dwight L. Moody, trust in yourself and you're doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends and they'll die and leave you. Trust in money and you may have it taken away from you. Trust in reputation and some slanderous tongue will blast it away. But trust in God and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. Trust in the Lord. In a day of so many voices expressing so many opinions and ideas, each one saying to you, you can trust their expertise. Whom do you trust? And I want you to repeat this with me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Are you ready? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Amen and amen. Let's pray. And so this morning, Father, we want to trust in you, not in the pastor, not even in each other, not even in our own thinking, but we trust in you. And we know that you'll never let us down. And we know that this sacred book that we have in our life, that we hold in our hand, we can trust it, Lord. We can trust your living word, and we know that, Lord, if we follow in its, its, its precepts, its warnings, its promises, that we have a much, much better opportunity to get through this life. So thank you for all of these resources you've given us to help us in our walk. And we thank you for the blessings of the book of Proverbs. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.